Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them, and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. He was very interesting, and you asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows, too. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Hope you're doing well and staying safe. Our guest on the show today, Monica Spolstra Metz. You can find her at Mospo on Instagram. She's been on with us before. Certified holistic health coach and healthy eating expert. You know, we're all getting into some bad habits during the lockdown here. And, uh, you know, I think it's important that we stay healthy with mind, body, and soul. So Monica is going to join us. She's the daughter of sports marketing author John Spolstra and the sister of Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra. So uh, Monica Spolstra-Metz will join us on the show. But first, I'm joined virtually by Brian Griggs, our producer. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good, but you mentioned those uh, bad habits, and I tell you, it's it's so easy to snack and drink more, and it's just like, what else to do, right? Yeah. Well, and the thing is this, and, and this is why I wanted to bring her back on, is a lot of states are starting to open up, which we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, Arizona and Florida and, and others. Our immunity systems need to be good because if we're going to go back out there, you know, you've got to have a good immune system. We need to stick with some healthy habits. Uh, again, a lot of places are closed and it's harder to get to the grocery store or there's a long wait. So what are some meals that we can prepare and things we can do, exercise we can do in the meantime to try and stay healthy? Because there's a lot of stress and anxiety right now too. So uh, a lot of uncertainty still, even though there's a little more form starting to take shape, as we'll discuss in a minute. But, uh, you know, Griggs, we need to be healthy. Yeah, it's uh, it's not easy. I've been trying to... I know you've got the Peloton. I've uh, rode my bike today. It's not a Peloton, but I took it down the bike uh, path, and it was good. Uh, treadmill, been trying to stay healthy, do some walks, and uh, so far it's been good. But uh, it's easy to fall out of habit, so I'm excited to hear from Monica today. I picked up a few Peloton friends this week. My uh, handle is SB Radio B Burger, like SB Radio B Burger, like Brian Burger. Uh, follow me. If you're a Peloton rider, I need some friends. I need some people to push me. I, I Like I said, I picked up a few this week. One, uh, our friend Kara Lynn Joyce, Olympian. So she's just absolutely crushing me. <laughs> Her output is like five times greater than mine. And I'm like, that's why she's an Olympian. And I feel... I don't, I don't feel, well, I feel good after I get off the bike, but compared to her numbers, I'm like, oh my God, I was going as fast as I could and I'm five times less than what she's producing. But, uh, you know, we've had a lot of people on recently, athletes, Candace Parker, Takiya Spikes, Mark Sanchez, and, you know, they've all said they have Peloton. So, uh, if you're out there and you have a Peloton, SB Radio, B Burger, give me a follow. I'll follow you back. Griggs, you need to get a Peloton too at some point. And they're not even a sponsor. So I, I want everyone to know that too. I just think it's a good product. It is a good product. I've ridden them a couple of times and I mean, it really is an intense, awesome workout. You feel amazing when you're done. And like you said, when you can interact and it's live with other people, it does help you. It pushes you when you got the little reader board on the right side saying, you're sucking. Pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it says you're sucking. But no. uh no, there's like high fives and, and there's a lot going on. Or you can just turn it all off and just do your ride. And that's usually what I do is I just like turn off the leaderboard. You know, I'll either listen to their music or have my own playlist going. And uh, there's a lot of different options with classes and instructors and it's a good product. So, all right, before we get to the interview with Monica, let's look at some headlines. Because Griggs, I feel like this week things started to take form for the first time. Like it's make it or break it for the NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer. They need to make some decisions soon about their seasons. Are they going to play? Are they not going to play? But those need to come, I would say, in the next month. So let's start with the NBA. Um, interestingly enough, there were two calls that took place this week. One, there was a teleconference call with Adam Silver and the Board of Governors, the owners. Um, and it sounds like coming out of that call, 
Adam Silver said the league needs to make a decision in the next two to four weeks about whether or not they're going to restart the season, and if so, when that would be. So that's one piece of news. Then Chris Haynes of Yahoo reports that NBA superstars LeBron James, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, Giannis, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, and Steph Curry held a private conference call on Monday, and they established a united front in favor of resuming the season. So a lot of the players in the NBA, they want to restart. Obviously, they want to do it in the safest way possible. And Griggs, again, the two options that have been discussed that have gotten out to the public, one would be a scenario where they would play at Disney World in Orlando in kind of a campus situation. The other would be at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. So those are the two situations under consideration. I, I just don't see a scenario, you know, Major League Baseball is discussing playing games in their regions. Here's the problem with that, Griggs, is Let's say that you're the L.A. Dodgers and you go to San Francisco and you play a game in San Francisco against the Giants. And then you're done with your series and you come back to Los Angeles and you go into your house and you're around your family. Now you're going back to your team. Your team is now exposed to whatever your family may be exposed to and vice versa. Your family is exposed to whatever your team was exposed to. So unless you're in an isolated campus type of environment – I don't see how this works. Yeah, I agree. And it's just so, these teams travel, everything's so close. You're in a bus together, you're in a plane together. So it's like, you know, if something happens and one or two of these guys gets it again, it's just going to run rampant through them all. So I think it's, traveling is a huge, huge issue with this. And I agree with you. It's like these next couple of weeks are huge and big for these, these leagues, especially like the NBA and, and baseball and soccer, because stuff has to start moving. I agree, but it has to move forward, you know, gingerly to make sure this is done right. So here's the other multi-billion dollar question at this point, and I guess Adam Silver brought this up on the Board of Governors call. He There was discussion about what happens if there's a positive test or multiple positive tests. Do you shut down like they did before when Rudy Gobert tested positive, or do you remove the player or players who test positive, quarantine them, and resume play and hope that the players – that we're around that player or those players don't have COVID-19. That's a really tricky, slippery slope. You know, Brian Windhorst, who's been on the show before and was on ESPN this week, brought up a really good point when he was talking about the NBA. He said, if I'm the NBA, I start in the fall and I let these other leagues go first and I let them work out all of the issues and, you know, no one wants to be first to fail and God forbid no one wants to lose a coach, a player, any loss of life would be catastrophic here and, and literally would shut everything down. Um, but I think that's a good point. I don't know that I'd want to be first right now, Griggs. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know, it's great to be first because you're the leader back into sports and all that stuff. But there's also a huge risk and we've never been down this road before. So if something catastrophic happens, whew, I would not want to be that league. Well, like we talked about on a smaller scale with the uh, virtual drafts, you know, WNBA did it first to kind of see how it worked and then NFL. So it's like, who wants to be first to see out of the shoot? Is this going to work or not? And I was listening to uh, Dan Patrick had a good point too. It's like, and you mentioned it, some of these coaches, you know, Popovich, he's upper sixties. I mean, you got people that are kind of in that range where you don't want to be if you get the COVID. Uh, so we're going to see how this works, but it sounds like in the next two to four weeks, the NBA will have some verdict on are we going to play, are we not going to play, if we're going to play, what is that going to look like? And again, those superstars got together on a call this week, and they were in agreement that if the conditions are safe, they would want to return and, and play out the rest of this season versus just saying we're going to chalk it up to a loss and, and we'll see you next season. All right, Major League Baseball. On our last show earlier this week, we really outlined what the proposal was from the owners to the players. Throw all of it out the window because, Griggs, it now comes down to money, as everything does. That's why we do this show, follow the money. With Major League Baseball, the owners have proposed a 50-50 split, and the players have said that's a non-starter for them. So now they're going to argue about money, and, you know, we'll see. And, and look, it's very complex. It's much more complex than I'm making it sound right now. But at the end of the day, whether they play or not, is going to be due in large part to can they agree on 
how to divide the money and the pie. And it was interesting. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred appeared on CNN on Thursday night. He said the owners will lose in the proximity of $4 billion if there's no Major League Baseball season. So, Griggs, my, my question is this. If you're the owners and you're going to lose $4 billion, isn't bringing in some money better than none? If you have to give a little with the players to get them back and playing, don't you do that? Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, and we talked about it on Tuesday, you know, this list of 20 different things that we're, they're looking at and doing this and that and everything else. But you're right. It comes down to that 50 50 bargaining at the table with the money and who's going to bend first. And I agree. I mean, Hey, if you can make a billion instead of four, you're going to make a billion. I would say go for it. And the other thing I'll say, and I said this a few minutes ago, I just don't see the, we're going to play in our region proposal working because again, if you're, exposing your family or you're exposing your teammates to people who are kind of outside of your immediate surroundings and you're not quarantined. I don't know how that works. I mean, I guess there's going to be a number of tests devoted to this, but I just think the more people you're exposed to, the greater the chances that you're going to get COVID and the greater the chances you're going to bring it home and expose someone at your house. So, um, you know, that's why the Major League Baseball proposal, it just seems interesting to me. They're the ones, originally they talked about, hey, let's bring all teams to Arizona or let's split the teams up between Arizona and Florida. I think that works if you keep everyone in the same environment. If you start telling people you're playing in your region, you're playing in your home stadium, but you're just playing in your region, but you're still allowed to go home and, and mix with family members and people in your home. I, I just think that's a really risky thing. But at the same time, Griggs, how do you tell a major league baseball player, you know what, you're going to play 82 games. It's going to be over several months and you're not going to see your family. Like that's another element here. That's really difficult. Yeah. It's just, it's so fascinating. This whole, this whole thing is just changing the world in so many ways. And all these things are new. It's nobody's done this before. So it's just, it's fascinating to watch, to sit back and say, I, I mean, I wouldn't, why would not want to be one of these guys making the decisions because uh, it's a scary, scary front. Yeah. All right. So the NFL, we've talked NBA. We just talked major league baseball, the NFL. This is according to Seth Wickersham of ESPN league and team officials have agreed on a proposal to raise the debt limit to $150 million for each team to help make up for lost revenue in the event that games are played without fans per sources. It's going to be voted on next week. So NFL teams trying to cover themselves. In the meantime, the Los Angeles Rams are seeking up to $500 million in additional NFL funding for SoFi Stadium. This is according to the Athletics' David Kaplan. And they also want a longer period to pay it back. So, you know, Griggs in 2016, they went into this thinking, you know, it's going to be, uh, $2 billion is the price tag. Now they're looking at something closer to $6 billion for their stadium. And, oh, by the way, you know, they're sharing this with the Chargers and because of COVID, ticket sales and seat licenses are, are not selling right now. And, you know, the Chargers have been underwhelming periods since they moved to Los Angeles out of San Diego, which I've said many times on the show, may be the worst decision by a sports team in the last 25 years. But they've had a very lukewarm market in Los Angeles since they moved to San Diego. And, you know, the Rams aren't selling like hotcakes either. And now you've got Stan Kroenke seeking up to $500 million in additional NFL funding. And as I just told you, the NFL is having to raise the debt limit to $150 million for each team potentially. You know, the NFL is the strongest league in the, in the United States, but if you start raising these debt limits and if these teams start, you know, having problems like that, even some of these teams are going to take a hit. Yeah, look, it's not a good time to be building a brand new stadium. And number two, it's not a good time to be a team moving to a new market, trying to get new fans and a whole new branding. So it just, it's tough for the, for the LA scene right now for that big time. By the way, the Rams came out with their new uniforms this week. I'm not a fan. Uh, I, I like the Chargers a lot better. If we're just going uniform versus the uniform, I like the Chargers uniforms much better than the Rams. It's a perfect example of a team having a pretty decent thing. And then they just decide they need to sell more merchandise. So, hey, let's rebrand. Let's have all new merch. Let's tinker with things. And then the reaction is, Ew, 
why do you mess with it? And why, why do you have to do that? Cause now it's worse than what you had before and we're stuck with it for who knows how long. All right. Major league yeah, soccer. Oh, go ahead, Griggs. Yeah. The Rams should have just gone back to the seventies with the old, uh, the old Ram horns. That's the best uniform they ever had. So why change it? Yeah. Vince Ferragamo, Pat Hayden, Jack Youngblood, Wendell Tyler, Eric Dickerson, those were the uniforms back then. So I agree. If you're going to change it, go, go super old school. Uh, Major League Soccer, they came out this week and they've extended the small group and team training moratorium through and including Monday, June 1st. MLS players may continue to use outdoor team training fields for voluntary individual workouts in compliance with local health authorities and government orders that were created in consultation with medical and infectious disease experts. So, Griggs, the plan for Major League Soccer, the most realistic one, and and I've talked to some MLS people about this, and you know certainly nothing has been decided, but they would do kind of a World Cup tournament format in Orlando, and they would play with no fans. And the games would be televised so they could at least capture that TV money. Um, I'm sure they'd have to figure out a way to split sponsorships. And, you know, it would be a neutral field environment at Disney World in Orlando. But that seems to be the scenario that has the most steam. So now, I mean, think about this, Griggs. You could have a scenario where the NBA and MLS have taken over Disney World in Orlando. And that's where they're playing their matches and and games and and that could happen you know in the next month or two yeah that's crazy i mean i think that's a good idea for mls soccer works well with the world cup type format so i think uh i think that'd be good for for fans too i mean i would watch that i think it'd be kind of fun to watch how they would how they'd make it work and and how the teams could all play in kind of that format so i'm down with that and yeah how cool to have (laughs) both team both leagues playing the same time in the same area that'd be kind of fun All right, NASCAR is restarting this Sunday in Darlington. There will be no fans. It'll be broadcast on Fox Sports. Griggs, there's going to be a lot of people watching. Maybe they're not NASCAR fans, but A, it's one of the few live sports on TV right now. And B, I think everyone from the sports world is really interested to see how do they restart? What do they do with their telecast? And, you know, they're kind of the guinea pig here. Let's let's let NASCAR go first and – let them deal with any problems that arise and then we'll learn from how they've handled this and the mistakes and the wins and, and we'll go from there. So, you know, we were just talking about how Brian Windhorst was saying the NBA really doesn't want to be first on this in his opinion. Like they shouldn't go first, but NASCAR is, is leading the way here. They're doing so with, you know, greatly reduced staff for uh, drivers and pit crews and even Fox. You know, usually has like a hundred broadcasters there, you know, part of their team there, and they're going to have like 15 on site. And a lot of people are going to be doing this remote. So uh, it's going to be different, but it'll be interesting to see how they do it. Yeah, I'm interested to tune in. And like you said, the broadcasting crew, it'll be fun to see how they do it because it'll have to be completely changed. You're not going to be going to the pit hardly as much. You're not going to be talking, you know, in the fan area and all that stuff. So the broadcast will be interesting to see how they uh, put it on the air. And I'll be watching it because it's something live and new and fresh. Yeah. And, you know, how do you social distance a pit crew? How do you social distance, you know, the broadcast? And and we're going to learn all of that uh, this weekend. All right. I don't want to turn this into politics here, but it's becoming pretty clear that there are some states that think one way and other states that think another way in the United States. And case in point, so I grew up in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. I went to school in Los Angeles, Loyola Marymount. Griggs, Arizona and California might as well be on two different planets at this point with how they are handling COVID. Arizona, today's Friday, they are reopened for business as of today. So if you're a sports team, you can play games starting today. You can't play them in front of fans, but you can play your games in Arizona. And Doug Ducey, the governor, when he announced they were reopening today earlier this week, He put out an invitation to teams from other states. Hey, if your state is closed for business and you need a stadium or arena to play in, come on over to Arizona. So the driving force in Arizona and Florida and Georgia and Tennessee and a few other places, it's the economy. And, you know, we're going to see how this works because, you know, I think on one side of it, you've got politics and economists and on the other side of it, you have scientists and Someone's going to look good at the end of this as far as who nailed it and who had it right. Um, but 
It's going to be interesting. You see California. So the university system this week, Griggs, said 23 state universities in California will remain closed for the remainder of 2020. They will not get together at all again in 2020. And uh, Alicia Jessup at Ruling Sports This was her tweet, and it's a really good tweet. The California State University System sent a legal flair to higher ed entities, including the NCAA, in canceling all in-person classes this fall. The standard of care has been set. If others in higher ed resume in-person activities and someone contracts COVID, expect tort claims. So she's right. The groundwork has been laid. If you're... A school in California, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, whoever it may be, and you open up and someone gets COVID, you've kind of gone above and beyond what the state of California has done in closing these 23 universities. And in the meantime, Greg, there are a lot of people that are mad at Governor Newsom. They're saying, you're killing our economy. What are our schools? What are our colleges, what are our pro sports teams supposed to do if you're closing things down for the remainder of the year? Now, they haven't said pro sports is closed for the remainder of the year, but they've strongly suggested that through September, oh, by the way, Alabama and USC are supposed to play in September and USC can't practice. So what do you do there, Griggs? It's just, as we've said all along, This isn't going to be determined by the NCAA, by the NBA, by the NFL, by Major League Baseball. This is going to be determined, the reopens, by the governors. And we may see a bunch of teams from California migrating to Arizona to play their games. It's it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, on the big front too is call it, like you said, college football. Like how do California schools play? How do they play those road games across the country? It's just going to be, it's, it's so much of a mess right now. And my wife and I were talking the other night too, like the United States is basically like 50 different countries right now. Every state is its own kind of country and it's got a whole different set of rules. It's so weird. Yeah. And again, when it comes to sports, these are the types of decisions that are going to have to be made. And, and, you know, we've said many times on this show, I don't care if you're a, powerhouse like USC or if you're a a smaller school like where I went to school, Loyola Marymount, if you don't have the ability to generate revenue for your sports programs, they're going to shut down. And, you know, some of these teams, if they're left with, let's say USC can't find a home. Let's say they can't go to Arizona State or Arizona or somewhere to play games. Because again, you're going to have the Rams, the Chargers, the 49ers, you're going to have a lot of teams looking for homes and the most likely place would be for them to go to Arizona. So now all of a sudden, you know, Arizona's facilities, because they already host the Cardinals and Arizona State and Arizona, and it's going to be really interesting. But my point is there are going to be some colleges that I think their sports programs go under after this, because if they don't play their games and they don't have funding and the NCAA doesn't have funding for them because they've lost money from college basketball and football, I don't know how they continue to exist. Yeah. Especially some of these smaller schools that, you know, they rely on that one, that football season is basically their athletic budget. If they don't play, you're right. It's going to cancel a lot of the sports. It's really sad. And it's, it's just a changing environment. Who knows what's going to happen from day to day. Well, and Paul Feinbaum from ESPN was kind of the first person I heard this week that suggested that the big five conferences could eventually break away from the NCAA and just rule themselves. And I have friends at the NCAA, so I want to be careful here. But as I've said before, if you lose the hundreds of millions of dollars from not playing March Madness, and again, I think that was the right decision, if you lose money from college football and not playing games or not playing games in front of fans, how are you going to pay out your member institutions? Do all of the secondary sports like golf and baseball and lacrosse and tennis, do they just become club sports and there's no more scholarships? But then what do you do with Title IX? So it's it's the college landscape out of everything that's going on. I think it is the biggest mess. And if you look at the NCAA, you're trying to get 1,200 universities on the same page. You know, at least in the NBA, you've only got 30 teams or the NFL, 32 teams. With 
the NCAA trying to get that many universities on the same page and have a, a one size fits all scenario when, like you said, it's like 50 different worlds right now in these states. I just don't see how the NCAA is able to pull this off going forward. Yeah. And I think it, you, we both know we've talked about before and everybody knows the NCAA is, has struggles running their their schools you know has struggles getting everything lined up and making sure everybody's happy so it's you're right it's so much more involved when you've got that many universities that many different presidents that many different blah 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 it's a whole nother world a whole nother giant way bigger than some of the pro sports leagues all right so we're going to keep an eye on the nba we're going to keep an eye on major league baseball we'll see what the call next week the vote with the nfl owners and raising the debt limit to 150 million dollars what that produces We'll keep our eye on Major League Soccer. Are they, in fact, headed to Disney World in Orlando to play a World Cup-type tournament format to try and salvage their season? And I think, again, they've decided you can't play home games. You probably can't play them in front of fans. So do we just bring everyone to a campus type of situation? And then, like we just said, you know, what's going to happen with these schools in the NCAA? And You've got Florida, you've got Arizona, you've got some states that have reopened and are actively recruiting sports teams from states that are still closed. What's that going to look like? So lots to watch in our coming shows. We're trying to stay on top of all of it and and provide you with the latest. Coming up next, Monica Spolstra-Metz, certified holistic health coach and healthy eating expert, the sister of Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra. She's going to join us we got to all stay healthy mentally and physically through this. She's going to help us. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. I'm thrilled to tell you about a new Sports Business Radio partner who's going to help you and whose products have been life-changing for me and my family. CBDMD is now the official CBD partner of Sports Business Radio. Many people use CBD products as a regular part of their health and wellness routines, but only the best use superior products from CBDMD. CBDMD has a wide variety of CBD oil products ranging from classic CBD oil tinctures to topicals, gummies, heck, they even have CBD for your pets. From NFL veterans like Nate Burleson and future Hall of Famer Steve Smith Sr. to two-time Masters champion Bubba Watson, CBDMD is tested and trusted by people who know pain. And the best part? All CBDMD products are THC-free. That was important for me. Third-party tested and backed by a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. Look, these are anxious times for many of us right now. We're not sleeping nearly as well. I tried CBDMD's award-winning CBD PM Drops, and I now sleep through the night. My daughter loves CBDMD's Revive Moisturizing Lotion and the CBDMD Freeze Pain Roller for her aches and pains from playing sports. And our dog loves the CBDMD Soft Shoes. And because the products are all THC-free, CBDMD is safe for our family. Dozens of companies have sent me CBD product to try over the years, but none come close to the superior quality of CBDMD. Sleep better, relieve your aches and pains, Give your pets treats that they will love. And to make it even easier to see what CBD can do for you, CBDMD is offering all of our listeners 25% off your order when you use the promo code SBR at checkout. Once again, go to CBDMD.com and use promo code SBR at checkout to save 25% on your purchase of superior CBD oil products, from CBDMD. Again, CBDMD.com. Use the promo code SBR at checkout and save 25%. Thank me later. My guest is a good friend, someone who's joined me before right here on Sports Business Radio, Monica Spolstra-Metz. She is a certified holistic health coach, a healthy eating expert. She's a former sports marketing executive, happens to be the sister of Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra. You can find more about Monica Metz at monicametz.com backslash SBR. Follow her on Instagram at Mospo. Monica, how are you? I'm great. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, I wanted to bring you back on because I really enjoyed our conversation last time, but it doesn't look like COVID-19 is coming to an end anytime soon. And this has been a grind for a lot of us working from home, 
added stress, just a different routine than we're used to. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about uh, a few more healthy ways to go about our lives as we move into summer and uh, again, doesn't look like we're going to be coming out of this anytime soon. Let's start with our immune systems. I know you have some uh, good advice there for what we can do to keep our immune systems working properly. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously like it's always really important to take care of our immune system, but especially now because, you know, if let's say like things are starting to reopen, nobody really knows what's going to happen. So once you get out there, you want your immune system to be strong uh, maybe to help you resist, you know, things that you encounter. But then also if you do become infected, that is going to affect how your body responds and how you recover. So it doesn't make you bulletproof, you know, having your strong immune system or working on supporting your immune system, but it's just really, really important right now. So the one thing that I really like to tell people the most is, and it's what I specialize in as a health coach, is just focus on more veggies, less meat. I mean, that's kind of my mantra. So most of my clients are not vegetarians or vegans, you know, they still do like to have some meat. But what I always tell them is just, you know, like, don't complicate it or don't overthink it. Just think about having more veggies, less meat. And so the more veggies part of it just means you're going to be getting a lot more antioxidants, which fight disease in the body. So, you know, you're not going to find those antioxidants in meat or poultry or fish. I mean, they have a little bit, but really those antioxidants, the disease fighters come from fruits and vegetables and plant-based foods like, you know, beans, for example. So, um, and it's important not only for the antioxidants, but also for the fiber. Those kind of foods are really, really high in fiber. And that's what our body needs to flush things out of the system, to get rid of toxins, to get rid of waste products, obviously. But then also the fiber is really important because it feeds the, quote, good bacteria in our gut, which in turn strengthens our immune system. So what are some good veggies out there? Again, you know, some people are stuck at home. They can't get to the grocery store. Others are able to go to the grocery store whenever they want. Um, if you were going to give a few veggies that we could eat, that we could get relatively easily, what would those be? Well, any veggie is a good veggie, as I like to say, but... <laughs> Uh, ideally, you know, ideally you're going to get some cruciferous vegetables on a daily basis. And those can be fresh, they can be frozen, but I'm talking about broccoli, cauliflower, kale, and Brussels sprouts primarily. Broccoli and cauliflower, I mean, we're heading into summer, so a lot of these vegetables are going to be more easily found fresh. And it really depends on what's happening in your state or your area in terms of frozen foods. I feel like the foods, frozen foods aisle in our region for the Pacific Northwest, I feel like they've really recovered from that initial onslaught of people kind of stockpiling all that frozen food. Right. So hopefully, you know, you can get some frozen broccoli and cauliflower for, you know, they can store in your freezer for when, when you don't have access to fresh produce or when you don't feel like going out. Um, those are just really, really good vegetables to have on hand and they're really, really versatile. I mean, you can throw them in a soup or stew. You can have a stir fry, you can chop them up in teeny little bits and add it to your Taco Tuesday. They're just really, really healthy vegetables for us. I mean, there's a reason why they're at the top of, you know, the power rankings for vegetables. It's broccoli, always broccoli, cauliflower, kale, and Brussels sprouts. I didn't even know there so were power rankings. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do power rankings all the time in sports. Who knew there were power rankings for veggies? Wow. Exactly. Yep. That's good. Um, so, so I would start there. Okay. Leafy greens, obviously, those are always welcome. And I like to encourage my clients to have a salad at least once or twice a day. So maybe if you're having it at lunchtime, maybe you're having like a quote entree salad and you're throwing in your protein and chopping up the vegetables that you like. Maybe you're making like a homemade salad dressing that takes two minutes to make. And then with dinner, serve some salad again on the side. Like I always think it's good to have two vegetables with dinner or whatever your main meal is. So maybe you have your protein, maybe you have a little like healthy starch, like roasted sweet potato. And then maybe you have some steamed veggies like asparagus, broccoli, cauliflower, and then you have a salad. So that's really what like a typical plate would look like when you're trying to work on your immune system. What about herbs out there? Uh, I know you have some that you like, mm. you know, I will tell you, <laughs> 
we've been doing a lot of like homemade pizzas and mm-hmm. we, we've been having a lot of garlic and you know, I think garlic's yeah. healthy, isn't it? Yeah. Garlic is great for you. It's a uh, antimicrobial, antibacterial, antiviral. So garlic, and I think we might've talked about this the last time, but it's actually worth repeating that garlic actually becomes stronger the longer it kind of sits out on your cutting board. So what I like to do is just chop it up maybe 10 minutes before I'm actually going to use it. Because then even if you cook it after that, like the compounds are still more activated than they would have been if you just kind of chopped it up and threw it in right away. So garlic is an amazing food to incorporate into your diet on a daily basis. But then, you know, there are also some other herbs or spices such as ginger, um, fresh ginger is usually pretty easy to find at the grocery store. And so you might just kind of grate that. What I like to do is just grate it into a soup or a stir fry or something like that, or something like a simple brothy kind of soup. I love ginger. Some people steep little like thin slices of it in hot water and drink it like a tea. Hmm. But that's really great for your immune system. And it's also really great for your digestion. Basically, I just need things. to move in with you yeah. guys and, and eat what you guys are eating, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we got over thrown a lot of veggies and herbs over here. Um, and fresh herbs, you know, people kind of forget. Like, I feel like people think fresh herbs like parsley, cilantro, they think of those as garnish or kind of fancy things that whatever they just have in restaurants. But actually, herbs and dried spices are among... Uh, really high source of antioxidants that we don't normally think of when we think of, you know, the power ranking of antioxidants. Dried spices like turmeric, uh, cumin, the chili pepper uh, powders, like those are really high up there in antioxidants. So those kind of spices are really great to use in your everyday dishes and um, as well as the herbs like chopped Italian parsley, chopped cilantro. Cilantro is known as a great detoxifier. Good to know. Uh, so if you're eating a lot of veggies, you know, some people worry about getting enough protein. What are your suggestions mm. for protein? Well, I mean, you ask anyone who is primarily plant-based or is plant-based, they, we get this question a lot. And I think it's because it's, it's really kind of a marketing thing. Like it's a well-marketed myth that people aren't getting enough protein. And Honestly, in this country, people are generally eating maybe up to 50% more protein than they actually need on a daily basis because we're also worried about it. And it's really just because we've been marketed to like, hey, you know, do you have your protein? And so basically, if you're eating enough calories, which in this country, most people are, you're getting enough protein. And so I tell people, you know, don't worry about it because even if you weren't eating meat at all and you weren't eating soy products like tofu or tempeh, let's say that for whatever reason you didn't want to have the soy products and you're a vegetarian, you're still going to get protein from your oats, from the whole grains, from peanut butter. It's even in, you know, there are small amounts in all kinds of vegetables. So every time you're eating those foods, it all adds up. And then what do you know? Like you've met your protein requirement for the day. So I really like to steer people towards really high quality sources of protein, uh, primarily from beans and legumes. But also, I really like the soy foods like tofu and tempeh, not processed soy nuggets or anything that like that. But I'm just talking like plain old tofu, uh, plain tempeh, which is made from fermented soybeans, um, and nuts and seeds. And then if you are eating animal protein, then I really encourage people to look for really, really high-quality products and to look for pastured poultry or organic eggs or wild seafood. So, And then also if people are eating animal protein, you really don't need very much. And so I just recommend people that they keep their portions small. And so that's generally speaking, that's three or four ounces a day. I definitely don't recommend that you have animal protein twice a day as most people do. I think a lot of people have it at lunch and a lot of people then also have it at dinner and you just don't need that much. And so three or four ounces is about the size of the palm of your hands or a deck of cards. That's kind of the classic way to, to know how much protein you're getting. But Especially now. I mean, we don't really know what's happening with a meat supply, short-term or long-term. So it's really a great time to just kind of think outside the box and, you know, experiment with plant-based protein and see how that feels in your body. I want to go back to something you said a couple of minutes ago, and I don't think we talked about this last time you were on. For the typical person, how many calories should you be consuming per day? 
Mm. You know, I am one of those people who uh, I'm not like focused on the macros. I'm really not. Like I'm really more of a a broad kind of generalist to say like, hey, more veggies, less meat. Because if you eat a predominantly plant-based diet, maybe you're having some small amounts of animal protein here and there, you will naturally be eating a low-calorie, low-fat diet. Okay. And so I think that's really kind of the easiest. Like if people really want to get in there and, you know, work on their macros, I mean, like some people that motivates them and, you know, they're, they're all about it. But for me, I find that really complicated and somewhat cumbersome. Because, you know, if you're trying to, like, manage your calories and your carbohydrates and fat grams and you're trying to cook or learn how to cook and get healthy meals on the table, maybe that's been hard for you in the past. I think that's, you know, I think we can get into territory, ter- excuse me, territory where we're overthinking things. Because really, if you're just eating primarily vegetables, you have nothing to worry about. You know, maybe you're kind of more keto or on the paleo end of things. If you're eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of leafy greens, and a little bit of animal protein, you are probably going to be eating a within a calorie range that is healthy for your body. So the last... Because I don't really like to talk about calories because, yeah. because people... Because the way that you... The composition of that is like, I have no idea. Like, if you are restricting yourself to a 1,000 calories of Oreos a day, like, <laughs> like obviously, <laughs> you know, that's... Way different than a thousand calories of broccoli and kale and cauliflower. Right. So again, stick to the veggies. One of the other great yep. pieces of advice that you gave that I've really been practicing since you were on, uh, about a month ago is eating earlier in the evening for dinner, uh, even late afternoon. So, you know, I, I have felt a lot better since I went to that method. You know, if you eat at seven or eight or nine o'clock at night, maybe try eating at you know, 4.30 or 5. The other thing I find, Monica, is, you know, I have calls during the day and everything, but time is just, like, who knows what time it is anymore. And when you get hungry earlier, like, I, I found myself just eating earlier, and then when I go to sleep at night, I don't feel bloated or full, and, and that's been a much better recipe for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised you feel better. It's It's really one of those simple practices that, I mean, they've done studies about it to show that people who eat within, you know, a certain time frame, like time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting, whatever you want to call that, um, if you're kind of isolating your meals to a smaller period of time during the day, and if while doing that you are giving your body a long break to digest your food, ideally starting with like two or three hours before you get to bed, you're just going to be able to metabolize better and you're just going to feel better. Like there's really nothing worse than from a digestion standpoint than eating big meal and then just going to bed like an hour later. Right. Like it's really, really hard on your body. Like your, your body's just not going to like it. So people do fine. Like if they just eat earlier, it's a very simple change we can make. And I think for a lot of people these days, you're not going anywhere. You're not commuting to work. You're not commuting home from work. It's something that's within our control, and you can probably get dinner on the table earlier. Like, let's say, something that you would have thought was just ungodly early before all this started, maybe like 5 o'clock, right. maybe 6, get lights out by 10. I mean, that gives your body a long time to digest before you go to bed. Your sleep quality is just going to be much, much better. Yeah. I feel like such a, a senior like eating it at five o'clock and, <laughs> and then the other trick too, and this is where my daughter gets me in trouble is after dinner, of course, she wants some dessert. She wants some ice cream or she wants a cookie or something like that. So even if you're eating dessert later, that's not good either because the sugar keeps you up and, and it, again, the ice cream kind of sits in your stomach. And so we're trying to avoid, uh, desserts as well. I do that fine. Uh, when she's not around, but when she is around, I, I feel the peer pressure to have dessert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard socially, especially, you know, when everybody else is eating something and you're not having it, but you know, the more you can do to have that earlier and to give your body time to deal with it. Uh, I mean, cause really our bodies are supposed to be doing other things or we're sleeping. It's not really supposed to be worrying about digestion as much. I mean, that's the time when our brain detoxifies. That's when our body needs to repair muscles. That fuels our recovery from an exercise standpoint. So, 
when you throw digestion on, like a lot of digestion on top of that, your body's like, dude, like I already had a long list of things I was supposed to be doing tonight and digesting that giant meal was not part of it. Right. So now I want to move on and talk about heart health with you because you've got some really good tips there and, you know, heart disease, high blood pressure, these are all conditions that contribute to higher risk of contracting COVID-19 and developing serious complications. So heart health. How do we become healthier with our, our hearts and, and the habits there? Well, I mean, this is kind of an unpopular decision or it's, and well, perhaps maybe it's just an inconvenient truth that people don't like to talk about in our country, but heart disease is essentially a lifestyle disease. You know, it's largely preventable. Even for people who have, quote, family history, there's a lot you can do. And so I think now is a really, really great time while we're all kind of cooking more at home. And it's a time when we can be focusing on our health. Like it's a really great time to focus on our heart health. And so, I mean, take examples, like someone like my father, like we definitely have a family history of heart disease, like, you know, with my grandparents and, and going back farther in the family tree. And so someone like me, I tend to run high in cholesterol. I do much better on a predominantly plant-based diet. Well, my dad really didn't want to do that. I mean, he was super into his meat and he liked what he liked. But at some point, you know, he was on statins and this high blood pressure medication. And the side effects kind of became too much for him because the high uh, or the medication for his high blood pressure was making him short of breath. And he couldn't exercise the way he wanted to. And he just felt terrible. And his doctor said, like, well, that's just a side effect and you're just going to have to get used to it. And what's kind of strange is that his doctor didn't say like, Hey, why don't you try a plant-based diet and see where that gets you. But my dad kind of came to his, that decision on his own and also talking with me. And then he just went for it and he went just hardcore whole food plant-based and he was off of statins and that blood pressure medication. And I want to say like eight weeks. I mean, he had just a massive turnaround and this hmm. is, when he was in his seventies. So, you know, even if you have that family history, there is still, I mean, there's so many stories out there in like movies like forks over knives and, you know, books and documentaries like that, where people are on these, you know, they're kind of last resort heart patients and they turn their lives around in like six, eight, 10 weeks, just prime, like really just through nutrition. It's crazy. So, if you're thinking that, like, mm, I don't know, like, I, I just couldn't do anything with my diet, like, highly recommend you watch the movie Forks Over Knives. But in the meantime, all these things we just talked about with, you know, supporting your immune system, those same things, the good news is those same practices are going to support your heart health. So more veggies, less meat, getting lots of antioxidants, getting lots of fiber. Maybe for breakfast you're having something like, oatmeal and you're throwing some flaxseed, ground flaxseed into that. Um, these practices can go so far in helping you get your heart in order. So, and so I don't know. I just think it's a really, really great time for people to explore this because it's always important, but it's especially important now. Right. And we're home more. So we, we have a little bit more time to make healthy food and to figure out exactly what we want to eat and, and to change habits. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Nearly 20 years ago, Boingo dreamed of a world where people could connect to the wireless internet anywhere with any device. Today, that dream is reality, and Boingo has been at the forefront. Now more than ever, staying connected is what matters most. Boingo keeps people connected to the people and things they love with next-generation networks built for the 5G era. They are the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., and they work with sports teams across the NFL, NBA, MLS, NCAA, and more. From 5G and CBRS to DAZ and Wi-Fi, Boingo is a trusted partner for staying connected now and in the future. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. Connectivity is more important than ever, and you can learn more by visiting boingo.com or emailing sbradio at boingo.com. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Improving BMI. How do we improve our BMI? And for people who don't know what BMI is, explain that. 
Uh, well, it's a body mass index. And so there are tons of calculators online that you could go to to like plug in your, your height and your weight, and then it gives you a number. But essentially, a BMI of over 25 is considered to be overweight, and a BMI of over 30 is to be considered obese. And so, or, and, or to have a waist size of over 40 inches uh, for men and 35 inches for women. So this puts people that are especially high risk for health problems in general, you know, um, but then also especially for COVID-19. So BMI is just one of those things like, yeah, ideally they have like these special scanning machines, a lot like gyms and physical therapy offices have them. And that's really the ideal way to find out what your true BMI is. But just if you want to get like a ballpark, definitely use one of those calculators that you can find online and just check in and just say like, well, where am I? Like maybe if someone's feeling like, yeah, I'm a little bit overweight. Um, I've put on some, you know, some pounds during this quarantine, just check in and see where you are. And then if you feel like your number's not so good, like this is a great time to, again, get back to your healthier habits, eat more veggies, have less meat, get lots of antioxidants, get lots of fiber, and just really work on getting that number down. Because, you know, not only is that going to help you in terms of what might happen if you contract COVID-19 and what complications might ensue if you have a higher BMI, uh, beyond that, it's really reducing your risk for heart disease, for high blood pressure, certain kinds of cancer. It's really just improving your uh, probability for longevity. All right. And, and so just, yeah, go ahead. You no, know, I was going to say, so, you know, eating earlier, we talked about that. Getting enough sleep, we talked about that last time that you were on. Sleep is mm-hmm. really important, and I know a lot of people aren't sleeping very well right now, so getting in a, a regular routine with your sleep and, and making sure that you get enough is, is also really important with this, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a great time to work on your sleep hygiene. I know that in my, our family, like, we have to talk about that a lot, especially with my 13-year-old son. He really wants to be playing Xbox before bed, you know, and that's like, and it's fine. But, you know, also it's like, I want him to be playing Xbox. I can't believe I'm saying this, but. Don't let him hear this. Like I'm, you know, but, but that's how he hangs out with his friends, you know, because right. they're FaceTiming at the same time or they're, they can hear each other and that's how they get to hang out right now because right. of quarantine. But I also noticed and he noticed that it was really hard for him to fall asleep. And so I was like, well, yeah, because your brain is all like pumped up, like playing these games and you're with your buddies. And then, you know, you need that time to wind down. And the same goes for the grownups, you know, like if you're just totally plugged in, working on your computer, binging Netflix, on your phone, scrolling social media, getting on Twitter, that is not what you want to be doing like the 60 minutes before you go to bed because your brain is just going to need more time to, to unwind from that. So in terms of sleep hygiene, I just tell people to avoid the screens, have a nice bedtime ritual. You know, some people really, really like a hot bath with Epsom salts. That can be really relaxing before bedtime. Um, keeping your, maybe your window open, getting some cool air into the room and trying to go to bed at the same time every night. And ideally for most people, that's before t- like 10 o'clock. But, um, the body really, really likes consistency. Like it is not going to like if you go to, bed early one night, like nine, but then you're going to bed at midnight the next. And then, you know, it's all over the map. The body really does want you to go to bed at the same time every night. Yeah. We're on totally like random schedules right now, most of us. So I think that's a really good tip is to try and get on a schedule both for your kids and for yourself for, for bedtime. So And also mentally, it's something you can control. Your bedtime right right now is something you can control. And that ritual of doing that same set of practices before you go to bed, I mean, that can be, you know, mentally and psychologically comforting as well. Right. And there's not a lot we can control right now. So that's one of the few things that we can control. Exactly. Exercise and fitness. We talked about this last time you were on too. You have a Peloton. I do as well. Not everyone has a a workout station at home, but there are some things you can do to keep active and and make sure that you're getting some fitness while you're at home during all of this. Yes. Now, the good news is 
that there are more at-home workout options than there ever have been before. I mean, when this whole quarantine happened, I feel like almost every single mom-and-pop studio, yoga studio, Pilates studio, gym, they figured out virtually overnight how to start offering online workouts and or streaming workouts. So chances are your gym or your studio or your favorite place where you like to go, chances are they're already offering some classes. And maybe if you've been feeling like, hmm, I really, I have to be in there, you know, in person to get a good workout or it feels weird to work out at home. I totally get it. But at some point, like, what are you going to do? Like you, you have to, to kind of like get yourself together and figure out how to make that work because you're not just going to not work out for whatever, six more weeks, six more months. We don't know what it's going to be. So this is really the time to just dial it in, like get yourself together and start making those workouts happen. So one idea is to just check in with your regular gym, see what they're offering in terms of live or streaming or Zoom workouts or online workouts. Um, if you had a personal trainer before this all started, they probably would love to have some work and would love to train you by FaceTime or a Zoom call. And um, also, like so many apps. We talked about the Peloton uh, and I think when people talk about the Peloton, they just think it's the bike. And they think like, oh, well, I don't have the bike or I don't have the tread. And so, you know, I can't benefit from it. But the truth is that Peloton app has so many workouts that people can just get the app for, I think it's free right now for 30 days. But then after that, it's something like $12 a month. Um, so, like, if you had access to, like, some regular stationary bike, yes, you can do the bike workouts. If you have your own treadmill you could do the treadmill workouts, but if you want to run outside, they have workouts for that. If you want to do boot camp or a hit workout at home, they have that. They have stretching, they have yoga, they have meditation. They even have like these fun cardio dance classes and they have tons of strength training. So, and a lot of them with body weight, like you don't have to have like a sophisticated weight set up at home. So I would, hi- I just highly, highly recommend the Peloton app for people even if you don't have the bike, even if you don't have a treadmill, there's just, there's so many options on that app. And so some of the original apps, you know, that come to mind are the Nike and Training Club app, um, MyFitnessPal, and then <laughs> something that I've been hearing a lot about from people lately is the Couch to 5K. What is that? Uh, which I have not done myself. I, it's It's literally like <laughs> getting you ready from not working out to being able to run a 5K. Wow. So if you're like, uh, yeah, so they're... That's one thing. I mean, they are there are apps for everybody out there right now, and that is a silver lining. Like a lot of this stuff, you know, it might have existed before quarantine, but it wasn't nearly as sophisticated. People have really been, or businesses, I should say, have been pivoting and starting to offer a lot more programming and a lot higher quality programming than was available before the quarantine, and certainly a couple years ago. Like the programming out there is excellent. So. If you're the kind of person who's missing your group workouts or your classes, like just know that like there are some really, really good options out there and it can really feel like you're in a class. I guess the last thing I would say is um, if you had workout buddies before this all started, like just be checking in with them and say like, hey, do you want to start out like an accountability group and let's post our workouts? Let's make a Google Doc and like log our workouts and we can all keep each other accountable or let's FaceTime while we're doing a class together. Like, you know, that the social piece of it is what people are really missing. And I miss my workout buddies. I don't see them in person right now, but um, but I'm definitely in touch with them. Like we talk a lot about like who's doing this workout and um, you know, what have you been doing lately? And so I have like my workout buddies are now they're like getting their own boxing bags because we can't be boxing together. And I'm like, what a great idea. <laughs> now I want a boxing bag. <laughs> That's great. Well, and a lot of the apps like Peloton, you know, you have a username and you can just go on there and, and kind of virtually compete against your friend. I've been doing that uh, on Peloton. You know, I've got a few friends, their usernames, and, and I can see how often are they riding, you know, what level are they producing at, and it inspires me to you know, get on there too. We may not be on at the same exact time. So like you said, you can do a FaceTime workout, a Zoom workout together. But I find even if I know that one of my friends like got on the bike today, it inspires me to get on the bike and, and try and 
uh, perform at a, a level close to them. I do have one friend who's an Olympian, so I don't think I'll be uh, performing at that level. But uh, it is inspiring to see what others do with their workouts. And it keeps yeah, us I mean, it's accountable. Just the same as before quarantine when your friends, you're texting each other like before class, like, are you going to make it today? Like, it's just like that, you know, like you're more inclined to work out if you know someone else has worked out that day. Right. Um, anything else that we have missed? I know you've been doing the free five-day pantry cooking challenge, which you can learn more about at monicametz.com backslash challenge. You've been showing people how to step up their pantry game through daily emails and Facebook lives. How does that work? And and I bet you're getting a lot of people uh, participating in that. Yeah, it's been super fun. So I ran my first one last month, and I'm doing a May challenge, which starts uh, next week on May 18th. So it's the 18th to the 22nd. And I the reason I started it is I just kept hearing from people who, you know, maybe they weren't used to cooking this many meals at home or they stockpiled and now they have all this stuff in their freezer and their pantry and they don't know how to use it or they keep making the same pasta dishes or, you know, the same meals just over and over again and they need to, they need inspiration and ideas. And so I thought, okay, like I'll put together this challenge. We will talk about your pantry game like five days in a row and it's been so much fun. And so basically people sign up. I send them a daily email with some kind of coaching tips. They get a little bit of nutrition coaching, health coaching, and we talk about the pantry, like how to organize it, how to keep track of your stuff, how to reduce food waste, which is a big thing, you know, especially when you're not shopping that often. Like sometimes if you're not shopping that often, that one day, that shopping day, you get a whole bunch of stuff coming into your, quote, system, like a refrigerator or freezer in your pantry, and then it's kind of overwhelming, and you don't know, like, okay, how am I going to use all this stuff before it goes bad? So we definitely talk about food waste, and we talk about things like how do you kind of preserve your food. I talk about, like, those kind of logistics, meal prepping, meal planning, and then at the end of the week, talk about some things like bringing new spices into your dishes, and I talk about how to make sauces and spice blends. So it's a lot of fun, and um, anyway, I just ha- I have a lot of fun doing it. The people in the group have a lot of fun doing it. They have a lot of fun supporting each other in the Facebook group that I created for the challenge, and people post you know the, the dishes they're making. They ask people questions. They ask people about ingredients they're using. And it's a great way for us to have some kind of like socially distanced community around cooking when we can't be with each other. And when is the next one? It starts on Monday. So it starts on May 18th and it goes to Friday, the 22nd. All right. I might have to check it out. I, I need to step up my uh, my pantry game. <laughs> we all do. I mean, we were kind of joking around about this the other day. Like some people, when those initial like grocery trips, you know, they're like stocking up on snack foods and chips and cookies and like all this stuff. Right. Um, you know, now, like now is the time to like really step up your pantry game and like, okay, how are you going to use all those chickpeas you bought? Or what do you do with all that rice? What do you do with those frozen vegetables that you kind of never used to buy? And now they're in your freezer and you don't know what to do with them. That's the kind of stuff that we talk about. Well, or like, you know, I'm trying to go to the store as little as possible now. So if I go, I'm stocking up on lots of stuff, like you said. And it is kind of a race to like, all right, we got to use the milk. We got to use the eggs. We got to use the fresh veggies before it goes bad. And if you're throwing it out, you feel like it's a waste of money. And gosh, why did I even get that in the first place if we weren't going to eat it? So you do have to kind of put together a game plan to make sure that you're not wasting food. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely talk about that. That's um, like days one and two. We talk a lot about that during the challenge. All right. So Monica Spolstermet, certified holistic health coach, healthy eating expert. You can find more about what we've talked about this segment at monicametz.com backslash SBR. But I encourage you, and I think I'm going to do it too, sign up for the five-day pantry cooking challenge. Go to monicametz.com backslash challenge and you can follow monica on instagram at mospo m-o-s-p-o monica i always enjoy our conversations thank you so much and uh, stay safe you too thanks for having me 
You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you're working from home now like I am, you still need to look professional. Many of us are doing Zoom conferences or FaceTime calls with business associates. That's why I turn to my Mizzen and Main dress shirts. I need to look good from the waist up, but I also want to be comfortable. Mizzen and Main is like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for comfort while working from home. It's a shirt that has worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head on over to MizzenandMain.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenandMain.com code SBR. Guess what? Mizzen and Main also make super comfortable wrinkle-free pants and shorts, so you can check those out as well. Head on over to MizzenandMain.com. Use promo code SBR to get $10 off your next purchase. That's MizzenandMain.com, code SBR. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at Boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com.